on the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There is Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the clubhouse. Ah, uh, yeah, we're back. Great to have your company right across Australia as we talk all things golf. Julian Bayard and Mark Allen with you for the clubhouse. The sun's been out during the week. Spring might well be upon us. Mark Allen is here. Hey, Marco. G'day, Jules. How are you, buddy? I'm great. Thank you. I wore shorts playing golf during the week. I'm excited. It was great. That's big. Yes. If you're back wearing shorts, it won't last long. I don't think it will. But at least we saw a little taste. (laughs) Something during the week. And you know, down here in Victoria, and probably in New South Wales as well, um, when the uh, cooch grass goes a little bit dormant, so if Mm. you're at a golf course where there's cooch grass, um, it goes brown in our winter. Yep. Um, once I've been told this, once the ground temperature gets up above 10 degrees, then everything comes back. Yep. It all comes back. So we've just got to start hoping for the minimum overnights to be (laughs) up up over 10. A little bit warmer. Once the minimum overnights are back up over 10, then that beautiful cooch grass will start to come back. Mm. The grass grows and... You know, you, you turn up Saturday or Sunday morning or whenever you play golf and the greens have been cut and the fairways have been mowed and there's that beautiful smell That's in it. the air that just makes you want to play golf. It does. So uh, we're not far away from that. Of course, all those people listening in the Northern States, we go, um, what are you folks talking what about? What are you talking about, you guys? What are you talking about? Hey, um, fair bit to get through today. Um, we'll, start, we'll start with the Olympics. What would you, you make of it? Um because I know you weren't a fan. No, I'm not a fan of golf no. in the Olympics, but uh, I've got a feeling it's here to stay. Um, you know, I think I think there was enough attention paid, not only in this country. Yep. Of course, we're going to pay attention. We're the halfway leader. Oh, mate, we had the Marcus first round leader leading. and the half round leader in Marcus yes. Fraser. So, of course, we're going to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got to make it better. Yeah, I agree. We've got to make it better, and you can't have you can't have. The U.S. tour saying, yeah, we're fully supportive of the Olympics. And the European tour going, oh, yeah, we are fully supportive of golf in the Olympics. And the LPGA tour and the European ladies tour. And every tour in the whole world going, we are in full support of golf in the Olympics. And then schedule tournaments against (laughs) golf in the Olympics. It was a a weird thing to do. You can't do that. So if you want to get the whole golfing world behind the tournament, yep. behind both tournaments, then it's got to be the only tournament that's on mm-hmm. at that point of time, that particular week. That, yep. that, that is step one. Step two, and I'm going to ask you, I want your opinion here. Are you happy with just a single 72-hole oh, stroke play mate. format that we see every single week? This is my major issue with it because I was like you, Mark, and I thought, nah, golf in the Olympics, not really for me. But then the Olympics captures your imagination yeah, and you love it. it. You watch it and you think, You're God, in. how good is the Olympics? You're in. And you just love it. You fall in love with Usain Bolt. Our swimmers didn't do too well. The boomers, yeah. you know, all that. All the good stories. You love it. And then you think... How good would it have been to see Jason Day and Adam Scott out there representing Australia, going yeah. for gold and yeah. seeing how good this would be? But then you see a 72-hole tournament, and on the final day, there might be five or six blokes who could yeah. potentially win it. And you've got your teammate Scabar- who's in 50 or 60th position basically just playing out for the sake of it. Yeah. Let's put it in, for me, let's put it in a team event. Yep. Maybe two teams of two or yep. a team of four. A lot of so people want this. everyone is playing for something. I would love to see like an Ambrose style, a two-ball best ball, something like that, where you're playing with your partner mm. and that the whole way through, 
all players who are representing their country are actually playing for a reason. So the girls and the guys, a bit like the equestrian, well, everyone competes against each other or with each potentially. other? Potentially. I don't mind it being a guys and a girls yeah. separate gold medal, but I think that the teammates and the whole point of the Olympics I'm, is I'm to, not against to that. play with it. I'm other. not against that. And if yeah. the Olympics, uh, you know, if the IOC came up and said, yep, we're going to do that for Tokyo, mm-hmm. I'd be wrapped. Yep. Um, the way I, I see it, I like the field sizes, which mm-hmm. is 60 and 60. I think that's perfect. Um, I don't like seeing the Americans having four people. Yeah, that was good. I don't like that. Mm. No, it should just it should just be two per country, yeah. um, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see uh, match play. So I would like to see the thirty six holes, and then there is a qualifying, and then nine hole knockout match play Ooh. for the men and the women. Nice. So, in my view, you would have uh, on the two first two days, you'd have men and women playing. In the, on the same day, on the same course, mm-hmm. like they do in the Victorian Open, yes. where they have a group yes. of men and a group of women, then a group of men, then a group of women. Um, and, and the same same for the girls, uh, to where it's 36-hole qualifying. And then on that last day, so then you have the nine-hole knockout, nine-hole knockout, you know, probably you could probably do three of them mm-hmm. the next day. And then it would the last day would be fantastic. You'd have two gold medal matches, yeah. and you'd have two... Um, Bronze medal matches. Don't too. mind it, Marco. So uh, you would have four four groups to follow. They'd all be finishing probably at different times, and then mm-hmm. you'd, you know have all the, the the ceremonies all at once. And maybe if you want a team aspect, maybe you have the best teams qualifying scores with could the you, men and the could women. We have so you could have a team gold, and then you have an individual gold for I the men and the women. More than one gold medal would be nice, Marco. I think it'd be okay. Well, the swimmers do it, the runners do well, it. Well, Phelps can win eight yeah, gold medals per Olympics. That's right. So if so, if there was a team, like Team USA, for yep. instance, the men and the women, you just add up their scores after 36 holes of the qualifying. Yep. And if they've got the best score, well, good luck. Yep. But if the Aussies have got beat them and we're the gold medalists, then they stand up that day with the gold medal around their neck and then you all break out. Mm-hmm. And whoever's left to qualify qualifies for the other gold medals. Shake it up a bit. I think so. Yep. But 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 what we said at the start has to happen. Yes. You can't have US tour events against no. it. You can't have Asian tour against it. You can't have you can't have any tournaments against it if we want to make it work. Because you know I pay, I barely pay I, I paid attention. Yep. But uh, outside but as of you said probably because outside only the top, because Marcus Fraser yeah, was winning. outside of the top five I couldn't tell you what happened. Yeah. I don't even know where Scott Hen finished mm. to this to this moment. Yep. Um, and I hope the girls play well. We're going to find out a little later, um, you know, probably after the show, where our girls are yep. best placed at the moment. So uh, if, we, if, if golf is fair dinkum, and I don't think they are, you know, I think, I think a lot of it was just talk. But, you know, you hear people like Brandon Chambly on the Golf Channel, you know, really hose somebody down <laughs> that, uh, you know, they don't think golf's good for the... Uh, Golf shouldn't be in the Olympics. Then on his same channel, you've got a tournament up against the gold medal. Yeah. I mean, come come on. Yeah. Come on, Brandle. Come on, guys. Mate, <laughs> get with the program. I yeah. know you work with Golf Channel, so I'll give you an out there, and you've got to do what the broadcaster says. And, yep. But please, yep. if, we're going to, if, if, if we're going to do it, let's do it properly. Mm-hmm. And then it probably doesn't have the major status, which is good, but it has a different status, which yep. is probably about right for the Olympics. Because it seems as though, Marco, judging on what the players were saying who went, they loved it. They loved being part yeah. of it. They loved being part of the village. Sergio Garcia came out and said, I think everyone who didn't come would regret it. I'm absolutely yeah. loving this. Bubba Watson. Uh, as you would. All these guys were saying it was fantastic. As you would. As you would. But uh, i tell you what, uh, if the guys who rested up mm. and they're the ones who won the 
11 or $10 million bonus check for uh, picking up uh, the FedEx Cup championship. Yeah, that's true. And the other guys have been battling away over here, and now they've got to just, you know, no rest and go back and play in the FedEx Cup, and they come nowhere, mm-hmm. probably don't even make the tour championship. Then I think the boys holding up that $10 million check would say, well... well. Good decision. Yeah. What have you done here, mate? Yeah. What have you done here? Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I still don't think I still think golf is a square brick in a round hole. Yeah. For the Olympics, but if it's going to continue, then everyone's got to get behind it. Jules, pretty yep. simple. Let's change it up a little bit. Change it up a little bit. Yep. I think first time in, they just thought, well, we'll just stick with the format that we know. That works, but yeah. let's be a bit adventurous. Next time, they have to be more adventurous, mm-hmm. and there has to be more respect paid from all the tours around the world to let the tournament be a one out. Yep. And I don't like the girls and the guys playing, like, what's this? Girl, guys played last week, yeah. girls played this week. Yep. It's only 60 in each field. Yeah. I mean, for instance, you know, there's 144 players at a normal tournament. <laughs> The normal 142, something like that. 156 places and open. I know there's Southern Hemisphere, so the daylight restrictions has probably comes into it. Mm-hmm. But still, 120 players. You could have, you could yep. have done that. Come on, guys. Did you see that? Did you see the first round? Uh, the length it took for the girls to play the first round, the what last group, yeah. where which uh, Lydia Co was playing in that last group. Yeah. Five hours and 36 mm. minutes. Obviously, weren't listening to, to the clubhouse last week. A round of golf in a three ball. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Five hours and 30, and these guys can play. If there was a three ball and they were full of 36 handicappers, yeah. I'd say, hey, looking not, for balls every hole. Not, not too bad, guys. <laughs> Five hours and 36. These are pros. These yeah. guys are shooting par or better. Yeah. And they're, you know, the girls are fit. Yeah. They can walk. They've got caddies. <laughs> Helping them. Five hours. And five hours and 36. Unbelievable. Disgusting. Yeah. Disgusting. Should send him a link to last week's podcast. Disgusting, mate. Yeah. <laughs> a game of basketball lasts for how long? Oh. Under two hours? Yep. Uh, a marathon lasts for just over <laughs> two hours. <laughs> and we've got people playing golf. Yeah. And that's going for five hours and 36 mm. minutes. Yeah. Please. Well, just, just think about what Please. Usain Bolt was able to do in 9.8 seconds or whatever yeah, it was. that's right. Yeah. That was just unbelievable. He's been fantastic, isn't he? Yeah, He's been fantastic to watch. But yeah, look, we've got, to, we've got to speed up the play. Got to get to a break soon, but I want to ask you before we get to there. Um, yes. What's happening with your mate Robert Allenby at the moment? Old Robert Allenby. My God. Look, he's missed 19 of 21 cuts this season on the PGA Tour. Uh-huh. In my experience in missing cuts, and believe me, Jules, I missed enough to know. If you miss a cut, you don't want to hang around with other people who Mm. miss the cut because it's a sob story. (laughs) They tell you what happened on the fifth. They tell you what happened in their three-part. Their putter, their caddy said this to them. The girlfriend over there doesn't understand golf. If you miss a cut, you are virtually telling your manager three holes out to go and change my flights mm-hmm. or go and fuel the jet, depending on who, what mm-hmm. status you are in the world, I'm getting out of here. There's not too many reasons you hang around after you miss a cut in America, buddy. Uh, not too many at all. Yeah. I think laterally there. Think outside the square. Yes. And now we find out that, you know, he's coming over at 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I feel sorry. I'm starting to feel a bit sorry for Rob. Um, so you've been hanging out with Ryan Lochte as well? The Lochte thing, uh, <laughs> apparently on the Google search these days, if you just put in Allenby or Lochte, <laughs> then what the next one is Allenby Lochte seems to come up. Yeah. So he's in pretty rarefied air now for for notoriety. Yeah. 
could become known as an Allenby, a night out where you forget what it could very well become known <laughs> as an Allenby. To where you do something stupid and you make up a story to cover up your stupidity. And then that story comes out as being wrong. Yeah. How'd you go last night? Ah. Uh, had an Allenby. Had an Allenby. <laughs> yeah. You don't you don't actually have to say anything else, do you? Once the term I had an Allenby came up, yeah. that's, that's it. it. It's like a man cad. Yeah. Be the same sort Bradbury. of Bradbury. Bradbury. Yeah. Man cad. And now I had an Allenby last night. We're gonna talk World Cup of Golf and some big I'm names in. coming down to Melbourne. That's up next on the Clubhouse. I can't wait for my next Allenby. In your life have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the Clubhouse. Welcome back. It is the clubhouse around Australia. Julian Bayard and Mark Allen with you as we talk all things golf across Australia. And Marco, uh, the Olympics is done and dusted. Now, the next big tournament on the calendar is the World Cup of Golf. It is in Melbourne. It's a monster. It is going to be played at Kingston Heath, November 24 to 27. And some big names have been confirmed, Marco. None other than Australia's pairing. World number one, Jason Day. Yeah. And he's chosen Adam Scott, as of course he was always going to. He was to. always going to, yeah. So they are confirmed to come down and defend uh, Australia's World Cup title. Uh, look, it's, it's great for our country uh, to have uh, some big names coming down. It's almost impossible like you know, to try and get 40 of the top 50 to come down this way. Yep. Uh, but I think... The field that I've seen so far with Bubba Watson and Patrick Reed and you know just some of the stars of the game coming down, I mm-hmm. think I think it's going to be the strongest field we've pretty much ever seen um, in Danny Australia. Willett. Yeah, Danny Willett, Danny Willett's coming down. Lee Westwood, I think. Is, yeah, that uh, is confirmed. correct. Jordan Spieth playing the week before yeah. up at the Australian Open, not playing. Not playing. Neither's Dustin Johnson. Neither's Dusty. Uh, that's okay. I don't think Dusty's making his way down to Australia, is he? I don't no, think he's no, coming down to the no. Australian Open. Uh, I've got a feeling something's happening up there with the um, New South Wales government. Well, it seems odd, Marco, that Jordan Spieth would be coming down to Australia to play in Sydney the week prior yeah. and then not play in the World Cup of Golf. After doing a scouting report at Kingston Heath about a year ago. That's right, where he played three yeah. courses in two days. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So he kind of did the scouting report, sent the report back going, yeah, absolutely, this golf course is worthy of anything. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to play here, yep. President's Cup, World Cup, Australian Opens, of course, you know, maybe a PGA yep. one one year. One day. You know, US PGA or World PGA one one day. Um, yeah, so that's disappointing. I've, I've, I've got a feeling New South Wales have signed a, an, exclusive t- an exclusivity Ooh. clause suggesting that, uh, look, if we're paying you all this money to yeah. come all the way down, you can only play here. Yeah. Which is a little bit selfish. They yeah. could have maybe done something, perhaps, to, to fix that up, to get Jordan Spieth down here for a couple of weeks. Yeah. But look, it, it, it hasn't worked out that way. But I love the tournament. I, I think um, I think the way they're going to do it, which is alternate shot, mm-hmm. uh, I think we call them foursomes down here. Yep. So foursomes uh, means that... Uh, if you and I are a team, I hit off uh, one, three, five, seven, nine, all the odd numbers. Yep. And you hit off all the evens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, when you drive, I hit the second shot. That's then it. you hit the next. Yep. It doesn't matter who finishes the hole. Yep. So even if you putt out uh, right. on the first, you just keep the ball it's in your pocket. Who's going? You keep in the you keep the ball in the pocket. And you go hit the, the next one on the second because yep. you're on the evens. Yep. And that's a good way. It's a good fun way to watch golf. It's it a is. Nice, really quick, fun, fast way to and play that's golf. That's days one and three. That's days one and three. Yep. And then uh, on days two and four it is just awesome type golf because uh one guy hits it down the fairway let's say you're the straight hitter yep. so you bang it down the fairway <laughs> yep. and there's a chance that i can get to this par five in two yep. so you bang one down the fairway okay it's safe now i'm going to just you know Line jump up. out of my shoes yeah. here and hit it as far <laughs> as i can so you're going to see a lot of that sort of stuff in days two 
and four. Um, it's a big money tournament. Yes. Like ten million dollars. Ten point four million dollar purse, Mark. Yeah, that helps. Yep. That 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 helps the situation. Um, look, I can't wait. I think you're going to see enormous crowds out there. I think you go to the worldcupofgolf.com for tickets. Now, if you're in Melbourne at the time or if you're planning on coming down just for a bit of a look around, i uh, tell you what, bring your friends. It's going to be great viewing. You'll be able to see some of these players really, really close mm. up, one of the best golf courses in the whole world. I yep. mean, I'm, I'm, I'm confident it's, top, it's a top 20 golf course in the world. Yes. Comfortable. Yep. Top 20 golf course. Your home track. Me. My home track. It'll be in great nick at that stage. I know that because um, pretty soon we can't take guests. So right. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna limit. They're going to very much limit it. Really? Yeah. Just make sure everything is absolutely No hackers flying. out there? No hackers whatsoever. Yeah. Um, there's going to be pressure on our Australians, uh, Jason yes. Day and Adam Scott. They won it last time. I remember the last time it was played at Royal Melbourne, uh, straight after the Australian Masters. So they had the Australian Masters at Royal Melbourne Composite. Mm-hmm. Then they had um, the World Cup the very next week. So all the you know everything was still there, and yeah. they basically threw the tournament together, and it was reasonably well supported this time around. They've had plenty of time. They've known for a long time. Um, it's going to be a tournament just for the World Cup, and I think the organisers, Matt Kaminsky, Robin, and the team have done a, a magnificent job yep. uh, getting as many players as they possibly could at that time of the year. Mm. It's hard that time of the year to get people to come down um, and you know, stay away from their families and come all the way down to Australia when really their headspace is, oh, it's been a long year. Let's get some time off. I want some time off. Yep. Yeah, Christmas is nearly right. here. That's right. So yep. look, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure whether the World Cup's going to be in Australia forever, but I think it's a good home for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really do. I think, um, you know, if we're going to have it in November or December, and if you had it around the same time as, you know, some of the big, uh, how can I say it, uh, the superstars invite their mates tournaments. Yes. You know, like the Tiger Woods event. Basically, uh, uh, what's the one in South Africa? Uh, something City. Sun City. Yep. The Sun City event. You know, it's basically just people inviting some of the best players in the world come down and have a, almost a party yeah. uh, and play for some cash. So in the spirit of those type of tournaments and those arrangements, I think the World Cup could kind of be flung around in the spirit of those uh, as long as it's supported by the uh, US tour and mm-hmm. all the tours around the world with the big prize money. And yep. you'll, you'll get mates coming down for a trip yeah. and bring their families. Absolutely. And I think that's the way we've got to, you know, next time we have it as well, we've got to Really look after these guys. You know, bring them down. Bring your families down. Look after them. Look after the kids. Put them up in the penthouse at Crown. Make sure there's koalas wherever there <laughs> well, maybe, are maybe and kangaroos and you know all that sort of stuff. <laughs> you know, get Lee Westwood's kids down yeah. and they get them. You know, dad comes home from golf and the kids have been hanging on to a koala all day or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever. But just really look after it and make it a family affair. And I think. Um, I think it's going to be positive for the future. I really do. Got a question for you. When you're playing the alternate shot, yeah. can you swap the ball over? Very good question. Uh, so if, if, say, Jason Day is using his tailor-made and Adam yep. Scott might have his titleist, can they swap the ball over or is that no. use one ball? No, no. They, they've got to agree upon one ball. Ooh. They've got to agree upon one ball because if they didn't, you could look at the golf course now. Kingston Heath is a great example here where all the par fives head in one direction. Yes. So if the wind was into the par fives, uh, then um, the seventh is an odd hole. But uh, then you've got, uh, what is it, 12 and 14. So you've got two of the par fives going into the wind. So you could pretty much think to yourself, all right, well, why don't we play with the uh, harder type ball on the ones <laughs> where we're into the wind? Maybe we can sneak them home. So what the re- that's, that's the reason they do it, because you could actually use a rock hard. You could use a... Well, they're all, in fact, well, they're all pretty rock hard these days. Yeah. But you could you could use a ball that goes that doesn't stop into the wind, 
and maybe um, if you wanted to, yeah. and then maybe the normal really softball downwind so you get the ball to stop. So they uh, they take that out of play. Yeah. So you basically just got to use one ball that you think will suit you, which is you know the same ball wherever you go, basically, wherever you go. So yeah. So for instance, Adam Scott is a titleist man. Yes. Uh, we know that Jason Day is a tailor-made, Mr. Tailor-made, mm-hmm. um, is a two preferred X. So that they'll have to make a decision at some stage. Mm. They'll have to make a decision. I, I mean, yeah, it's probably easy. They'll use the ta- they'll use a, the Titleist Pro V One X when you know it might be day one for Adam. Yep. And then day three when it, it'll be the other turn, and mm-hmm. then the other two days you can use whatever ball you like. Yeah. Sponsors as long as it's exactly the same ball. As long as it's exactly the same ball. They're very. You've got to be onto this because you know. The, when you have a, uh, for instance, tailor-made golf ball or the Pro V1, the yep. Pro V, the tailor-made Tour Preferred, and the tailor-made Tour Preferred X, there's not, there's just a, an X mm. different. That's all there is. The color of the number is different, but the ball markings have to be exactly the same. The only thing that can change is the number on the ball. Yeah, that's it. But if the number changes color. You're out. That's it. You are disqualified. If you use a tool preferred and then another hole somehow the caddy throws you a tool preferred X yeah. and you've thrown into play, you are out. Disqualified. You yeah. can't do that stuff. So uh, a good caddy will, you know, obviously all the balls come out of the packets on the first day. They all go straight in and that mistake can't be made. I, I, I'm still staggered that mistakes <laughs> like that can be yeah. made and are made <laughs> quite often yep. on tours around the world. I don't know what these guys are doing. You're almost thinking they are trying to <laughs> cheat the system one way or another. It's but you know, pl- players are onto it. Everyone knows. Mm. Players are right onto it. Yeah, Back in like the old days when you could actually use whatever ball you liked, yeah. you had guys using pinnacles into the wind, yeah. and then they'd go to the super softball downwind. That makes Just, sense. Yeah, or did, did at the time. <laughs> did at the time. Some guys were even using a small ball into the wind yeah. back, in the, back in the day, and then a big ball downwind. All right. Yeah, just to help out. What sort of ball are you using now, Marco? I'm tailor mate, tailor mate, yep. and I just use tool preferred. Yeah, tool preferred for me, and it's a great ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it is a great ball. It's going to be interesting to see uh, all the people who use the Nike. Yes, where they go because yes. Nike uh, is gone too. So the Nike golf ball's gone. The Nike equipment's gone. Mm-hmm. They were making some half decent putters there for a while. I reckon yes. you could keep some of those putters. They were half decent. Some, some of them, mm-hmm. not all of them, just some of them were, were, were quite good. Um, Won't miss the square. We're not going to miss the square driver one bit from Nike or Callaway's square driver. They were a disgrace, and hopefully that we'll never, ever see the likes of them ever again, Jules, because they were shocking. (laughs) They were absolutely shocking. No good. No good at all. I think, uh, you know, just, I think David Duval, you know, he won the, uh, he won his (laughs) British Open using the purest blade ever, you know. It just had a number. And the Nike swoosh. That was all you need. That was all, that was all it was. Good looking club. Beautiful club. Got to get to a break. Father's Day presents. Oh, mate, everyone likes a coffee table book. Now, Darius Oliver, Yep, I spoke to him during the week with Craig Spence. We're going to hear from him. He is a great designer, a great photographer. And if you need a coffee table book, if you love coffee table books, uh, particularly golf ones, listen in. Listen in after the break because this is a ripper. That's next on The Clubhouse. In your life have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. Yeah, you certainly are. Right across Australia, it is the clubhouse as we talk all things golf. Julian Bayard is my name. Mark Allen is here as he is each and every week. And Mark, at Father's Day, ooh, it's not, not too far, far away. Do you like coffee books? I love coffee books. Oh. I, my, one of my first coffee books was a Tiger Woods, How I Play Golf. I've still got, that's a great book. It's great. Beautiful. And a beautiful title too, yes. Tiger Woods, How I Play Golf. Mm. It's very important yes. because 
Uh, in um, years gone by, Ben Hogan writes a book about uh, you know the five fundamentals of golf, mm-hmm. and they're fundamentals that he was doing to help his old swing. Yes. So if you actually had a normal swing and you read exactly what the five fundamentals were, you stuffed your swing right up <laughs> because that's how Ben Hogan played golf. So the title of Tiger Woods' book, How I Play Golf, was fantastic because if I tell you to do something, it's usually because you're doing something that's wrong. Yep. So I might say, if you're cocking your wrist too much, I'd tell you to have a one-piece takeaway so that you wouldn't cock your wrist as much. Mm-hmm. So Ben Hogan tricked a lot of people. Tiger Woods wrote the book beautifully. Yep. It was a, that's, that's one great. of the great coffee table books. Yep. Planet Golf. Now, I'm not sure whether you've heard of the Planet Golf stuff, but Darius Oliver, these days, uh, one of the great um, uh, designers and uh, golf architects getting around, uh, looked after the golf course down in King Island. We're going to hear a little bit more about it in just a tick. Mm-hmm. But Darius Oliver does the greatest coffee table books you've ever seen, Planet Golf. Right. I caught up with him mm-hmm. and uh, with Craig Spence yes. uh, earlier in the week, and Darius was fantastic to listen to. How do you put something like this together? How long does it take you? Well, that one took a long time, and believe it or not, Craig, there's more than just Fry's head. Yeah, in the I, know. I know you're <laughs> struggling to get past that one. Um <laughs> Yeah, this probably took a good number of years. Obviously, with my involvement at Kate Wickham, I decided there needed to be a book that showcased the best modern courses in the world. Um, so much of a lot of the book was already in my head. I'd already seen a lot of the courses, but um, from the moment we finished Kate Wickham, really in 2014, mid 2014, I went travelling again. And um, yeah, the, this is my favourite one. I'm not just saying it's because it's the new one, but. The discovery, the sense of finding some something cool in a really interesting location, has always been you know the reason why I travel. And this book I found more than I expected. So, but you know that the whole publication, putting the images together and designing the book and putting it all together, that it took a good while. So modern masterpieces. Uh, how what was the uh, expiry date uh, for going back? I mean. Obviously, golf has got the new and the old course at St Andrews, and the, and the new course is about 300 years old, or whatever the <laughs> hell it is. So, what do we what do we classify as modern? Well, if you read the book, um, the cutoff date's actually 1995 for a, for a couple of reasons. The, mo- the the main one being that Sand Hills opened in America in 95 and really changed yeah. golf over there. Not so much here because we had the dunes around the same time. We had you know, other golf courses opening before and after that. But also China, the first Mission Hills course opened in China in 95 and obviously golf exploded thereafter. But it's really Sand Hills because Sand Hills in America in particular ushered in this new era of, you know what, we don't just need a famous name, green grass, water fountains everywhere and we can pull the wool over golfers' eyes and pretend it's a good course. We actually can create great golf. And I think it raised the benchmark for everybody else that followed, certainly in America. And, you know, I look at Barnboogle and Lost Farm and then obviously what we've done on King Island and New Zealand's the same. All all different markets around the world have kind of followed a lead since 95, I think. Darius, I was fascinated. You know, we, we've all heard of Friar's Head, and, or us golfers have, and uh, I think it's Stream Song Stream in song, Florida. Yeah. You've got the band in Dunes, like you said, Sandhills. But you said there were some others that really shocked you that no one's really heard about. Well, just the very last trip I did in April to finish the book, I went to two really remote, relatively speaking, remote islands. Um, one was is on the front cover of the book, actually. It's the island of Jura in Scotland, which has a population of less than 200 people. Yep. Um, single lane roads where you have to veer off the road to let another car pass. <laughs> and they tried to build a golf course on this <laughs> unbelievably spectacular property yep. overlooking the more famous island of Isla. And that was really cool. But then... 
the one that really sort of tugs at my heart, and it's on my the live webcam is on my computer desktop permanently. Yeah. Is Lofoten in Norway? It's a hundred miles north of the Arctic Circle. What page is this on? It's uh, the first one in the European chapter. And at the end, you wait till you see the photos of that place. Um, at the in the middle of summer for two and a half months, the sun doesn't set. So. I'm talking to this this uh, guy who owns this golf course, saying you've got such a short season, only five months. He goes, yes, but effectively it's seven and it's eight months because they get two and a half so months much. where people tee off at one o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning or wow. you know nine o'clock at night. It doesn't matter. It's the same. The sun never sets. So, it, it, and where well, we went the Aurora there, Aurora Borealis. And look, I went there, stayed God. there. I stayed there two nights and I saw the Northern Lights both nights. Apparently, it's the best place in the world to see the Northern Lights, but it is impossibly beautiful with mountains, with um, this incredible volcanic rock, but basically the fact that it's right on the ocean. It's cool. It's not a, It's not unbelievable golf, but it's such an unbelievable spot that yeah. they get away with quirky, cool, North Berwick, Macrahanish type golf. So how many people are up there when, you, when you're up there taking all these photos? I mean, one. was it one person? Yeah, the owner. And, and how much money to, to you know, if, if we're ever up there, Darius? I mean, wow. is, it, is it feasible? Do we actually get over there and I think so, yeah. Bucks I mean, absolutely. It's, a, pub, it's a public golf course. If, you know, you think of Norway, it's like, um, you know, that's 1,600 kilometres north of Oslo. It's way, way, way north. And it's the whole area is insanely beautiful. I mean, it makes, there's a, there's a highway called the A10 Highway. And I think it makes the Great Ocean Road look like the very good ocean road. It's five <laughs> hours of nothing but spectacular yeah. Yeah, ten out of ten scenery. So, yes. sorry. I was going to say, yeah, here in Australia, with what you're doing with all the coastal golf courses, yep. uh, I'm really interested to know. Um, you know, so many of the great links golf courses were built hundreds of years ago. Are they building any new ones on in the British Isles or anywhere else in Europe at the moment, or are they going a different way? No, there's a bit of a renaissance in the UK. Um, it's hard to know whether it's going to continue, but if you look in the book, for example, um, the Ardfin course in Jewry is not a Lynx, but all the other ones are. So you've got Trump's course in Aberdeen. You've got Castle Stewart, obviously, Gilhans, who did the Olympic course. King's Barnes started it. You've got Doombeg in Ireland, Tom Doak's Renaissance Club, club and Macrahanish Dunes in Scotland, which is a really cool little golf course. So... Not not to the same degree as somewhere like America, but there is a bit of a... And what's the feel of those golf courses? Do they feel like they've been around for 100 years? Some of them. uh, Trump, absolutely not. I mean, Trump feels like a modern, in-your-face golf course. You know, come and get me. You know, you're not going to find anything harder or or better than this. Uh, But some of the other ones, like Macrahanish Dunes, David Kidd, I think, um, I I find a lot of his golf courses to to have been disappointing over the years. But that one surprised me because it was such a difficult site and it's... 40, maybe 50 pounds to play it. And if you go there and someone says, yeah, this is a modern David Kidd course and you build up your expectation, you might be disappointed. But if you go and pay your 40 pounds and play this golf course, you can't do it without having fun. I mean, it is just (laughs) raw golf. They've got maybe three or four ground stuff. You know, just cut, slash the roughs. That's all they do. It's fantastic. So a golf course like Lofoten or others around the world that are scattered in these... Are these really wealthy people that are that are deciding to put these golf courses together, and, and how how profitable would these some of these places be? Because I imagine this place isn't yeah. turning over 500 <laughs> rounds a day. No, you know, L- Lofoten. There's there's another one in a remote southern island of South Korea called South Cape Owners Club, and wow. and just to give you an example of how much golf can vary. Lofoten would have been, it was really designed in-house largely and they probably built it on 
the shortest shoestring that's ever been imaginable, probably a couple of million bucks. Right. South Cape in Korea costs 300 million US <laughs> to build. This one here. This one here. It's owned by a guy, a, um, a fashion industry billionaire from South right. Korea who came out in February and played Kate Wickham. And when he when he asked me how much it cost and I told him in dollars, he said, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's about right. And then he realised he'd done his calculation wrong and he was depressed and he was not talking all the way back to the hotel and I asked him what's wrong and he said, I could have built 15 Kate Wickhams for my South Cape. And so, yeah, I mean, that, those places in South Korea spend enormous amounts of money. There he is, Marco. Well, perfect way to please Dad, Father's mm. Day, or if you are a dad out there, just maybe just drop a note to the kids. <laughs> this one would be a good one. Absolutely. Can't there wait to get. I can't. Can I? I'm. I'm really keen to get down to King Island too yes. at one stage. Yep. We get yeah. a full review from you. Uh, yeah, we'll get down. You're coming too. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to go down and play in both because both 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 courses on uh, uh, King Island now yep. they're open and they're away. So Ocean Dunes has just opened up, uh, and accommodations down there. You can fly from Essendon Airport on mm-hmm. a real plane. Yep. Uh, or you can do the other ways. You know, get down there. But uh, yeah, King Island's my next destination. Masterclass is up next, Marco. What do you got for us? Uh, well, I'll do something It'll on be the a back. Ripper. I'll do something on the back of Marcus Fraser. Okay, it's up next on the clubhouse. Marco's masterclass. Uh, it's a free golf lesson for you on radio. Mark Allen is here, the best teacher in golf, who graces the airwaves each and every week. And we do it all for Bonville Golf Resorts, mm. Australia's most beautiful golf course. Experience the majesty of Bonville Golf Resort boutique group and corporate uh, golfing packages for an unforgettable escape. Book now. This is the number 1300 722 444. or Google Bonville Golf Resort. It's Australia's most beautiful golf course. Now, I'm basing this on the back of our Olympic record holder, Marcus Fraser, <laughs> who shot a 63 in the first round. It's the lowest score ever in golf in the Olympics. Um, and he's very proud of that record. I spoke yeah. to him during the week. Uh, I admire Marcus Fraser a lot. I do. He doesn't hit the ball very far. Not very far for professional mm-hmm. golfers these days. And he was paired with Henrik Stenson and Justin Rose in that last yes. round. And they would have been bombing at 50 metres past him. But the lesson today is Marcus doesn't care. Yeah. Marcus does not care that he's playing with blokes who are hitting the ball 50 metres past. He might have a little spot in the back of his mind that where it you know annoys him a little bit, but he doesn't let the fact that he hit, doesn't hit the ball very far get in the way of him shooting low scores. So many people do. You know what they do? They jump out of their shoes to try and get an extra five metres. So I promise you, folks, an extra five metres is going to do nothing for your game or just zero. Mm. If you're jumping out of your shoes to get an extra 40 metres, yeah, it's worth it every once in a while, but not many people are gifted in the game of golf to actually do that in any kind of consistent basis. So don't try. Marcus, though, what he does is that because he's a short hitter, he hits driver off most tees. Yep. You know, this this whole thing about hit your three with to keep it straight if you're a short hitter is garbage. If you're a short hitter and you're a good golfer, you're going to hit the ball pretty straight anyway. So don't think about hitting the three-wood as often as you maybe would, only if, unless the fairway runs out. Yeah. If you're if you're getting the three-wood out just to hit it straight and you're a short hitter or you hit the ball as far as Marcus Fraser, you're getting yourself. It doesn't go much straighter <laughs> unless you've got a freak of a club, yep. unless you've got a freak of a club. So if you're a short hitter, don't worry about jumping out of the shoes on the par fives to get an extra five metres. Concentrate on hitting the driver a little straighter on the shorter holes and take advantage of that hole yep. instead of the par fives. So many people hit the ball as far as Marcus Fraser again, and I'm one of them. You know, my, my, my balling, these days, you know, hitting an iron to play safe, 
That's what long hitters do. Yeah. <laughs> Don't if you if you are a guy who hits his driver two hundred fifty meters, you're a short hitter. Mm-hmm. Keep on hitting that driver. Yeah. Take that tact. So take advantage of those shorter holes with driver in hand instead of hitting the two iron off the tee because you see all the pros hitting the two iron off the tee or the three iron off the like tee the right or the four iron off the tee. <laughs> That's what they do, so that's yep. what I'll do. Rubbish. Get it down there. Give it a and, crack. Yeah. Get, take a risk on those holes instead of trying to jump out of your shoes on the par fives. Yep. That's my tip. That's the way Marcus Fraser plays, and he's a gun. That's it. And he did well. He did very well. He did well. And he's a great putter too. He hasn't missed a six-footer for about 15 years, I don't reckon, Marcus Fraser. He's a beautiful putter. And he's he a, you know the best thing about Marcus Fraser? Mm-hmm. He's one of the best blokes you'd ever meet. Yep. One of the great blokes you'd ever, ever meet. He's got this tournament up in Corowa, yes, where he's from. Yes, he does. A lot of people play in that tournament. Mate. More people play in that tournament than any other tournament in Australia. It's yep. a weekend of golf and I think 700 people. <laughs> Hit a golf ball around in those three days. So a lot of love for Marcus wouldn't Fraser. Wouldn't be many five and a half hour rounds on that. In that I think there's a few, but no one seems to care. They've all got a cold one in their hand. Yes. No one seems to care up there. But he's a great fella, great bloke. And gee, it would have been great to see him win that bronze medal. Yes. Instead he came tight for fifth. Yep. Anyway, he got the play for Australia. Not sure. I'm still not sure the golf should be in the Olympics, but <laughs> we'll we'll come back to that in four years' time. We'll okay. see how we go in Tokyo. <laughs> That's mate. for Bonville Golf Resort, Australia's most beautiful golf course. They partner Marco's Masterclass. Beautifully done today, Marco. We will uh, see you next week. Good luck, Jules. Keep on playing well, man.